So I don't want you to bear with me this morning. I want you to build with me. So are you going to stick with me in strength in the spirit? I said, are you going to stick with me in strength in the spirit? Are you going to draw something? See, I can keep declaring, but will you draw? Oh, my God. Let me recap something very quickly. The title for this morning's message is, God is a fire starter. God is a fire starter and not an arsonist. There is a difference. One is controlled, one is uncontrolled. I'm not a criminologist, so I'm not going to tell you what the mindset of an arsonist is. But as we started over two periods, we discussed this. We started to talk about the difference that made the 12 become the one-man company. Is that right? The 12 became one. And we said, what caused them to make that journey? What changed? We said after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he teaches them for 40 days and he opens the scriptures and their hearts so that they can understand. So even with understanding, they're still not witnesses. Mark something down. It did not make them witnesses. It meant they knew more. And how much of the modern day church knows more what still hasn't moved or changed to become witnesses. And then they came to the place of, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place with one accord. Pause there just for a moment. Let's just press pause, our pause button. Do not let your biblical translation rob you of the truth of God's word. Oh, so now you already look at, you've got that, you know, there's been three times already this morning and you've had that look of going, where are you going and what are you saying? If you read your NIV, it says they were in one place. If you read the King James, the New King James in the American Standard, all which are closest to the original translation, it said they were in one place with one accord. The one accord is what makes the difference. Side note. What's your translation? We know that Jesus was born of a... Not in some translations. And he was born of a young girl. So be careful of your translation. Don't allow it to rob you. You can find which one that is, or those, if you do your own research. So they're in one place with one accord, with one mind, with one purpose, with one heart, with one prayer, with one desire, fulfilling the one command. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And so was birthed the church in Acts. The church in the book of, book of Acts changed dramatically from what had happened 40 days before. The 11 stood with Peter as one man. The birthing of the one-man company. What was it? And they were as one man with one place, with one heart, as we've already said. Jesus turned around and said, and the heart's desire of the Father is that they are one as we are one. So does that mean you can be two? Does that mean you should be three? Or shall we be one as he says that we're one? That is the command and the prayer of Jesus Christ. So let me roll something out for you this morning. Jesus Christ turns around and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In him was life, and that life was the life of men. 
There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your underwhelming response. I said there is no life outside of Jesus Christ. And the enemy will do everything he can do to get you to live your life outside of him. He's going to do everything to keep you outside. But everything of him is that you have life and have it to the full. Some words for you. Self-reliant, self-built, self-made, selfish, self-help, self-centered. All of it is relying on one thing, you. It's on you and yourself. But in him is life, and that life is the light of men. So where do we find our life? In him. I'm laboring this for a reason. We find our life in him. There is life and no life outside of him. Do you know one of the biggest scourges of the church today is that there is a book that was written, sold 8 million copies. It was on the New York bestsellers list for two years. And in that book that was aimed at the church, made by the church, written by the church for the church's benefit, it said no cross, no sin, no redemption, no repentance, no salvation and no eternity. It had no Christ. It was all about you and the self that you can be There is no life outside of him. And the world's biggest bestseller was all about how you live your life outside of him and be reliant on you. Let me tell you, you cannot be reliant on you. Do you know when people turn around and say, Kath, you can't trust anybody, trust yourself. On certain days, I can't trust me. Now, if you're honest, you might be saying on certain days... I can't trust me either. I don't mean me, I mean you. There are certain days when you're placed in certain circumstances, when your back is against the wall, you will make certain choices that on a normal day, in your full sanity, when everything's wonderful, and the drums of heaven are sounding, and the angels are singing, I might make a different choice. But when circumstances dictate, and it's either you or me, guess which one I'm choosing? Not me. (laughs) You're going to go at the expense of me. Is that right? Do we not do that? Time for individualism in the church has to come to an end. That we are one as they are one. There is the joining together of this one-man company. Let me give you a scenario. Scenario works like this. If you find yourself at loggerheads with what God is doing in the local house and you remove your strength because you knew better, go and have a word with yourself. For when God is moving and doing something, you might not like the vehicle that is being used. It's still his vehicle. But when you know best, guess what? You know best. I might need to get for you one of these 8 million and one copies of how to live life on my own. Love me. Love myself. Me, myself, and I. Me, you, and a dog named Boo. Whichever one you want. Life is all about what you think and feel. The time for being spiritual gypsies has to come to an end. 
I visit here, I go there, I pack up my belongings. Now, the gypsy community, and it's not my job this morning to kick the gypsy community in any way, shape, or form. God loves every people group of every nationality in the world. Yes? But there is one thing that is quite key that when a gypsy camp has been, when they leave, they leave all of their rubbish behind them. Has anybody seen it when they've been on your car park at work, the field near your house, whatever it is, it's the mess they leave behind and they go to a new site. How many people call themselves believers will walk into a house, stay for a while, draw its resources, and all they leave behind them is a bad smell and the rubbish that they left? Walking into somewhere new and going, look at me, I'm nice and bright and shiny. I'm lovely as a button and I'm sure you'd like me to be a blessing to your house. But we're not talking about you. We've used the term, are you a spectator or are you a stakeholder? For when I am a stakeholder, things are different. Everything is different when I have a stake in what I believe in, that which I build with. What amazed me and blessed me more than anything, we thank you. Chris and Kath had said this morning that they found out about the break-in through their son, didn't you? Yeah, because we didn't need to blow a trumpet. We didn't need to tell everybody. But what blessed us so much was how many people in the community said, can we come and help you fix your building? People from outside saying, can we come and do it? Those people who were stakeholders who knew and just turned up at the door and said, give me a brush, give me a bag. When you're a stakeholder, things are different. I don't need a phone call. Please, I'm not saying if you didn't have a bag that you wasn't a stakeholder. I'm just saying how people are moved in different ways. When you own something, you own it and it owns you. So let me start to change speed and let me start to change direction a little bit. Tells us in Acts 19, starting at verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard of this Holy Spirit. Then Paul's question back was, Then what baptism did you receive? Paul's question to the believers, to the twelve, He's come from the origin of a 12 to meet another 12 in Ephesus. And his comment is, then what baptism did you receive? And so we've asked the question to you in the Dream Center, to myself as an individual, is my salvation an immersion or did I just get sprinkled? Oh, don't go quiet now. What baptism did you receive? we're quiet. It's, it's all right. It's not a question. It's a question, but I'm not looking for an answer. Rhetorical, I think they call it. The question is this morning, so what baptism did you receive? Are you covered? Are you immersed? Is it all over you? Or did we just sprinkle something from a distance and that gets you by? But let me read you my key scripture this morning. My key scripture is from Luke 3.16. It says this, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I is coming, whose straps and sandals I am not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with 
fire. There is one that's coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I said, there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Oh, how much we want the Holy Ghost. How much we've asked for the Holy Ghost, but we're not too keen on touching the fire. But there is one coming after me who will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I tell you, I said to Paul, just joking a moment ago, I said, do not get up early in the morning. Do not get up in early because your notes start to change color. They change direction when God starts to speak in a different way. So let me start to say what God was showing me this morning. We have already turned around and said that Jesus opened their hearts and minds to understand the scriptures. Is that right? For 40 days. But they did not become witnesses. They were waiting for the Holy Ghost and they were waiting to be touched by the fire. When you're touched by the Holy Ghost and by the fire, something changes. But let me show you something. Can I play? Can you give me some room to play just for a little bit? Can I have some leeway? Can I have some leeway this morning? Okay, well, let me show you something. Because this ignited my world. It might do nothing to you. You might want to stay in a black and white nightmare. But it ignited my world this morning. Jesus turns around and he makes this statement. And we'll use David because there's good old David looking at me this morning. So David, Jesus turns around and said, David, I called you to put down your nets and follow me. You walked with me and I was with you. I called them from tables, and you witnessed when I opened the eyes of the blind. You witnessed when I opened the ears of the deaf. You witnessed when we caused the lame to walk. You witnessed when we dealt with that curse of leprosy. You witnessed when we called Lazarus out of the grave. You witnessed when we walked on the water. You witnessed when we turned around and we called the storms and the sea to be calm. You witnessed when the enemy had to flee before me. You witnessed my transfiguration when I was on the mountain. You witnessed when they said, Glory to you. Glory may they come in the name of the King of glory. You witnessed when they nailed me on the cross. You witnessed my resurrection. You witnessed when I went to be with my Father and I poured blood on the mercy seat that there is forgiveness for sins for eternity to eternity. It's forgiven once and for all. You were with me. And now it changes. For I am no longer with you. The game changed. For David, I am no longer with you, but I am now in you. I am no longer with you, but I am in you. I and my Father will make our abode in you. And what changed is when they're baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire, the reality that they carried the very living God inside of them broke out. You can know as much as you want. You can study all day. You can have your walls full of certificates. It might start with your 25 meters swimming. I don't care what it is. You might have a tufty badge. Have anything that gets built and built and built. But when you realize that the king of glory is living in you, something changes. So what were you baptized with? Oh, I'm just waiting for him to be my friend. Never will I leave you or forsake you. He can't leave me because he lives in me. Have you ever fallen out with yourself? 
Has there anybody ever fallen out with themselves? This is the one time you are just like God. You are omnipresent. You try and walk away from you. Let that one go and sink in for a minute. You are omnipresent. You can never escape you. So when he says, never will I leave you or forsake you, if he's the head and I'm the body, he can never walk away from himself. Because he's in me. And when he's in me and wanting to work through me, that life becomes the light of men. So let me prophesy to your dream center. Let me prophesy to your dream center. We have had a touch and move of the Holy Ghost, but the fire's coming. I said the fire's coming. And it started. It started. Why do I keep doing that? Because I see a picture of a man in my mind's eye of two pieces of flint coming together, striking and the spark. Maybe you want to get smart and say, I've seen that thing that Bear Grylls got where he just... Whichever way, there has to be friction that causes a spark. And there is a spark which is starting in the spiritual. It's starting to move. It will stir you and it will stir me. Because the spirit is desiring to move and touch us with his fire. But what is it going to take? It's going to take the realization that in me, the Christ is in there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now let me rain on your parade just for a minute. You had a sunny day yesterday and we can see this is what we've got. Gareth assures me that it's going to be sunny this afternoon. I know who I'm going to call if it's not sunny. But let me just rain on your parade. You might think you are God's gift to everything. Ladies, when you were younger or even when you're older, you might say, I am God's gift. Mm-mm, I've got it all going on. Fellas, you might think, look at this. How could she ever resist this? I've got an idea. Because you do realize, fellas, can I? We've got our youth in this morning, haven't we? Can I just take a, a sidestep for a moment? Paul, am I allowed to take a sidestep? Ladies have more than one sense. Ladies, do you have more than one sense? It starts with common, and it works backwards. Something that we don't normally find in the guys, it starts with common sense and works backwards. They have eyes. So when you're working out in the gym, you're thinking you're getting a bit buff. Sun's out. Oh, come on, guys, stick with us. Sun's out, gun's out. You think because I've got it all going, I've got a bit of patter. I've got a bit of banter. So she can hear me. She can see me. But then when I get closer, she also smells me. (laughs) Well, word to the wise. Stand a little closer to the soap and it will go well with you. And the lady said, Okay. So we've covered that one. But there are senses that are coming to operation. But the fire is coming to the dream center. I believe with all of my heart that God is going to be releasing a fire. 
And that as we draw on him, as we wait on him, as we call on him, as we position ourselves, that fire is going to touch, it's going to move, it's going to consume, it's going to change, it's going to purify, it's going to cleanse, it's going to stir. When there's a blockage before you, the fire's coming. When your ground won't produce, the fire's coming. When there's can't see the wood for the trees, there's a fire coming. David said before, already dove stones only needed one discarded spark, a bottle, a reflection, whatever it was, and already the moors are being burnt down. Sam could no doubt tell us of the stories in Australia of Sydney almost getting wiped out or complete communities being wiped out. Why? Because of one discarded spark. Now, what you don't realize and what I don't realize is in this spiritual realm in which we're walking and the life that we're living, all it takes is one discarded spark and who knows what can break out. That means you, that means that one conversation you had, that one gesture of goodwill, that one, can I just pray for you, that one opportunity, that one gift, that one random act of kindness, who knows what that is going to create. All it's going to take is something that will be combustible. So God is a fire starter. Hebrews tell us that our God is a consuming fire. But you know what? I can burn and not be burnt. I can burn and not be burnt. What was it that grabbed the attention of Moses? That the bush was covered in fire, but yet did not burn. God can be all over me and it not consume me in a negative content. Text, not tent. In a negative, can't say negative now. Negative context. But let me settle something once and for all. We are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Correct? You tell me if I'm being biblical that he saved me, that I'm forgiven, that I'm made whole, and I am accepted in the beloved. He calls me a son and a daughter. Is that all right? Is that what his blood has purchased for me? You've read your scriptures somewhere. We've done discipleship. All of this is what's part and parcel of what makes me his child. But yet, the process of transformation is made via the fire and the work of the Holy Ghost. I went a bit more quiet on that one. Is made by the fire and the work of the Holy Ghost. The perfect partnership. We had that picture this morning. Didn't we have the Canadian log cutters? How the Holy Ghost and Jesus Christ are working hand in hand to bring that together. There is no friction. It's working together. So let me start and show you some things about this fire. Can we touch the fire for a minute? Psalm 39 and verse 3 declares this. My heart grew hot within me. What did my heart do? It grew hot. While I meditated, the fire burned, and then I spoke. My heart grew hot. I meditated on the word, and then I spoke. Oh, my God. When you meditate on the word, or is there anything of life that starts to come and happen inside of you? Thank you, Gwen. That's why you've been around for a long time. (laughs) Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame 
the gift of God that's on the inside of you. There's something inside of you that's going to need maintenance. It's going to need work. It's going to need a stirring. It's going to need working with as he develops us and as he changes us and he brings us through. So we start by launching the word. While I meditated, your fire burned. But when that fire ignites me and the Holy Ghost brings something to remembrance on the inside, you and I must speak. Do not go down into silence. It said, do not go down into silence. Do not go into self-pity. Do not go into woe is me. But we get the word and we sow it back into the spirit. I said, we get the word and we start to sow it back into the spirit. We say, my God, I can, cannot be held. I'm being moved, Lord. The circumstances around me are completely, they're gone. Scripture uh, was going to read this morning from Romans. Turns around and says, when there was no hope, Abraham in hope believed God. If you've got no hope, you better be able to stir some. So when circumstances are against you, when everything's down, when your back's against the wall, you better be able to create something. You better be able to find that spark that will change your situation and your circumstance. You have to be able to stand. When the enemy came to Jesus Christ, when he's tempted in the wilderness, turn these stones into bread. Why don't you throw yourself down off the temple? It is written. Do you know what's written? Do you know what God is saying about you? Do you know the promises that he's holding for you? Do you know that your breakthrough is only this close? All he's doing is waiting for you to align yourself to the word and to launch it. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believe God. There has to be the place that we push through. So start with the little that you have. Oh, we've laughed about it. You might have your everyday with Jesus. You might have your fridge magnet. You might have some scripture, but you have to launch that which God has been declaring into your situation. You start with what's in your hand. Do you know what stirred me more than anything this week when I just read about it? I read this week this whole thing about there was a story from the Second World War. There was these guys in a prisoner of war camp, and they turned around and said, we've got to get out. I'm going to die from here. What did they use to get out? A spoon. A guy dug a tunnel that he escaped from the prisoner of war camp and the people in his chalet with a spoon. He was saying, my God, unless you give me a JCB, unless you give me everything that's coming down because surely the blessing of heaven must follow me, unless you give me everything that I need, I can't move. And the word comes back, so what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You might only have what seems to be a spoon and the whole process and everything seems to be a mountain before you. When that mountain is all you start with a spoon and say, my God, I've got the back in heaven. This might as well be one of those hydraulic drills that's going through this. This might as well be a James Bond laser that's going through this stuff because when I start to use that which you have given me, I have the back in of heaven. Because I don't just have the written word in me. I have the living word that's living inside me. Oh, and the promise of the Father. All the way through scripture, all the way up till the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost came and he left. He came and he left. 
but yet when I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior, God turns around and says, and I will give you the deposit of the Holy Ghost who will be a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. So in you lives the Father, in you lives the Son, and in in you lives the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me we can't find some passion. Don't tell me we can't find some fire. Because when I realize that all of that is on the inside of me, something has to break out. Shall I give you a key of one of the greatest prayers that you can ever pray? I'll just tell John then. Shall I tell you a key for one of the greatest prayers that you will ever and can ever pray and you can pray it on a daily basis without being selfish? I'm going to keep it and where me and John's going to have a coffee. I said, do you want to know what this prayer is that you can pray every day? I said to you this morning, you better draw on some stuff because there'll be stuff that I hold back like Pastor Tony did because you have to draw in your spirit. Who lives inside of you? Come on, we've been over it 14 times already. The Son is living inside of me. The Father makes His abode inside of me. The Holy Ghost makes His home inside of me. So the fullness of the Godhead bodily is living in me. I am full on spiritual TARDIS. How does all that live in this? Ask God. But here's the bit. This is wonderful. Do you want to know how much He loves you? Do you want to know how much he loves you this morning? Step away from self-help. Step away from being a wonderful guru. Let's talk scripture. Scripture turns around and says that the Holy Ghost intercedes for me with groans that no man can understand. So who's interceding for me? Who is at the Father's right hand praying for his church? So who's praying? Jesus is praying, and who's interceding for me? The Holy Ghost. And who's listening? To be able to make his word real and active to you. The greatest prayer that you can ever pray, you open your eyes in the morning, and when you open your eyes, your first prayer should be, Amen and Amen. Okay. Thank you. Should we just go and have a bit of cake and a cup of tea? The greatest prayer that you can pray is amen and amen. What does amen amen mean? I fully agree with what you are declaring. So if you're looking for your life to change, if you're looking for a breakthrough, if you're looking for the Holy Ghost to be made real, if you're looking for the Word to become real, if you're looking for the Father to open up everything for you, amen and amen. Because I might not see it, but it's still a reality. My healing might not be here today, but amen and amen. Amen. My kids might not be following, but amen and amen. There might not be any cattle in the stall. There might be no produce that's coming in. I might not see a breakthrough of the needs I, I have to come through, but amen and amen. I might not see a revival breaking out in Drollsden, but amen and amen. I might not see of where I've sown my seed in the ground. I don't see a return yet, but amen and amen. What are you going to say amen and amen to? Amen. Well, I'll say amen to the amen. (laughs) Church, is there anything stirring on the inside of you? 
Is there anything stirring as he's looking to bring that element to us that will cause that spark to ignite? Oh, there is a spark. See, that Holy Ghost is looking to pour out. He's looking to touch. We've already said he is a consuming fire. He wants to touch everything, but he can only burn what is burnable. Are you combustible this morning? Andy gave us the word about the oil which is poured on the head, poured down like Aaron's beard. You know, we've seen that picture. He said, will you be completely covered in oil, ready for one spark that will cause you to be ignited? Now, having sad man's telly, as we do, I don't know, I was in a hotel with Ange, we were just waiting to get ready to go out, and there's that new Bear Grylls program on. Have you seen? There's a new Bear Grylls, and they're on this island for five weeks, and you've got the Toffs versus the Scuffers. They've literally called it the Toffs versus those without. And they're saying, who can survive the longest in that environment? Will it be the Toffs, or will it be the scuffers. Who's got the best survival mentality? But in that survival mentality, it all started with life will start and stop with, are you combustible? Can you create a fire? If you have fire and water, you can work everything else out. And it came to who has the ability to not only when there is a spark, can I do something with it. God's not just looking to bring you a spark. How will you respond to it? There is a passion, there is a desire that God is stirring on the hearts of his people, not just in the dream center. There are pockets all over the place that are becoming so combustible that all it's going to take is one spark and the whole thing's going to go. Can the dream center and can your life in the dream center be a tinderbox? A tinderbox that all it's going to take is one spark and it's all gone. Now, I already separated the crowd. Not fellas with a smell. I already separated the crowd before when I said, who remembered Stingray? And we had that one. Who remembers bombing? Oh. Chris, don't look at me like that. David, don't look at me like that. Even Andy's looking at me with that strange look, but he's old, so I'll let Andy get away with it. Bombing, when it was all about your street and your back, that when it became to bonfire night, you had crowds that would go out and look for anything combustible. Whether I owned it or didn't own it was not an issue. The issue was, is it combustible? And back in the days, oh, you see, you lot, you don't know how you've lived when you had an outside toilet. Look at all these kids here, what they're talking about. Outside toilet that you had to share with your neighbours, that you've run outside in the middle of the night and just knock and ask for Doris. You open that door. Is there anybody in? Ooh, anybody in? Knock three times. Newspaper on a nail, if you were lucky. You don't know you're born, kids. You don't know you're born. But the terrace houses that have all been knocked down, 
used to back on to each other and they'd make a square at the back. And that group of people would own the bonfire that would be burnt. Oh, and he's nodding now like he's suddenly clever, right? You'd own that wood, but all the kids would go out and look for anything. You'd see like six kids trying to drag an old armchair. You'd be taking somebody else's bogey, not bogey, you'd, another thing, another word bogey, Mancunian terms. You would find anything, people's back gates disappeared. Their backyards had disappeared. There was nothing. You, you nailed everything down that final week before bombing night. And you would stand there and people would guard it. See, it's rubbish now. You see, you turn around and go, I've had a packet of sparklers. Hey, happy November the 5th. Bonfire night wasn't about fireworks. It was how big a fire you could burn. And you'd have old carpets tires, anything you put in. And the worst thing you could ever do is have somebody sabotage your fire. Oh, they didn't pour water on your fire. They stole your wood or they set it on fire the day before so that you couldn't celebrate. Now, is there any believers in the house are saying, do you remember Bommy Night? I tell you, when Openshaw was being rebuilt, there were so many empty houses, derelict houses. You had the biggest bonfires in the world that was going down. The point was, you couldn't have the bombie without something combustible. And God is looking at your life and my life and saying, Eric, will you be combustible? If I give you the spark, or when that, can I just blow on it, and that ember will start to glow and will start to work through. Do you know, this is the mad bit, just thinking off the top of my head here for a second. Do you know what it says of Jesus Christ? He says, a smoldering wick he will not put out. You might look like you haven't even got anything but just a bit of smoke that's coming off something. And Jesus Christ says, put it in my hands and that smoldering wick can still produce life. Said, even your smoldering wick can produce life this morning. All he's needing is the Holy Ghost to touch you. All he's needing is that you found in him. We draw on him. You allow the wind of the Holy Ghost to blow on us. Get touched by the fire of God. And let's just see what changes. Oh. And we've been without the fire for so long, we forgot what it's like. Let me give you a different illustration. How many of you guys... I've been out on your holidays or you've decided we're having an adventure. So you jump in the car, you go out for a bit, you stop at a country pub, you go in and there's a burning fire. I'm not saying in the middle of summer, but in its winter there's a burning fire. Where do you want to sit? Because it's cosy and it's warm and it throws off heat and there's something about staring into those embers. There's something about that desire to be around the fire. And the Holy Ghost says, the thing that the church lost is its fire, but I'm coming back to return it. I'm returning that fire again. Jeremiah 20 in verse 9 declares this. Then I said, I will not make mention of him. Here's the prophet saying, I won't speak about God anymore. He's, had a bit, he's on a moment. Jeremiah is at a moment, his back's been against the wall, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart 
burning like fire shut up in my bones. Oh, you might not speak. You might not want to speak, but you cannot deny the fire which is burning inside of you. David said in the Psalms, he said, when I meditated, the fire burned and I spoke. When that fire burns, you cannot help but respond. Maybe we'll sow a bit more this morning. We have to learn to partner with him that we speak his word. When we speak his word. The worst thing that ever happened with Adam and Eve is that when the enemy came and spoke to Eve and says, did God say? And she didn't have the word to respond about what she could touch, what she could eat or not. She said, if I touch it, I will die. Not if I eat it. When the word comes, do you have the word of life for yourself and do you have the word of life for others? Do you have something that will help to keep you, something that will help to protect you and work with you? See, when we turn around and say partnering with God and it comes to speaking, something fills crazy mind thinks over there for a minute. I was reading Genesis the other day. God creates Adam from the dust of the ground. We've read Genesis, have we not? Read Genesis, so we don't have to turn to it. He creates him, he breathes into him. So he breathes into man the breath of God. The rest of creation is spoken creation. Let there be light, and there was light. God forms the animals, but he doesn't breathe his life into them. We are the only part of creation that holds the breath of God. And then God says to Adam, partner with me. Now, here's a crazy thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You've got the God of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient. He is awesome. Turns around and says to Adam, Paul can be our Adam here for a minute. So this is how much you can partner with me. I will cause the animals to pass by you and whatever you say they will be called, I'll stick with it. God creates all of creation and then says to Adam, you name it. So that's where you might have got Poppy from and Petal from and Tinkles. It's people like Paul who created silly names. <laughs> but God backs the spoken word that comes out of your mouth. Don't believe that one, do we? God will stand with the word that comes out of your mouth. He can deny a lot of things, but he cannot deny his own word. His word is held higher than everything else. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks rocks? So here's our great bit. This is all now part of the adventure. This is all part of the adventure. See, as soon as you and I come to the revelation and understanding that the fullness of the Godhead is living in me, 
that he puts his word in my mouth and gives me permission to use it, that he wants to set me ablaze, that I can be an ambassador and have a life for him, things begin to change. I said things become to change. Now, we know and we honor Chris, been a military man, served us in different ways, in different times. I don't need to go into it. But could we send Chris to war and not empower him or equip him to go? He's got to at least go with a pen knife, hasn't he? Swiss army knife. At least he can get the stone out of a horse's hoof. He can do something. Before a man goes to war, he is trained and he is equipped to go and do the job. Is that right? Every one of us is being trained and already has been equipped to do the job. What I just need to realize is, now, right, you older ones who knew bonfire night, I'll leave you over there. I'll come over here to the kids. We're over here now. I'm down with the kids. I'm down with the kids. We've got it all going on. Fantastic four. Right, right, Eric and the kids, we're down with the kids. The Fantastic Four, you guys seen the Fantastic Four. Marvel's Fantastic Four. Flame, what does he do? Flame on. I'll go over to here to like Marvel's. Flame on, something happens. He can be in any environment, but as soon as he goes, flame on, what's on the inside of him comes out. Oh, what's on the inside of him comes out. It's just learning to flame on. Just thought about that one. I like that one. I'll write that one down later. Flame on. All it takes is the right environment where he's not a danger to himself and a danger to everybody else. But when you walk out, I need to remember that inside of me, my amen and amen, because he's praying for me, interceding for me, he has given me everything I need for life and godliness. Oh, but then you know what I said about watch those translations? It says, I have given you, apart from David Platt, everything I need for life and godliness. Did it exclude you? Did it exclude you, you, Lisa? So everything I need is equipped me for. All I need to do is flame on. And when I'm flaming on, I'm touched by that power, by that life. I reflect him in a different way. I want to get really giddy. I really do. Oh, no, this is not giddy. (laughs) There's only a few occasions when you've seen Phil giddy, but this is not giddy. But inside of you, he is burning. He is pressing. He is giving you environments that says, now this is where you shine. Eric, I put you here, so this is where you shine. And I didn't put anybody else in this environment, Eric, but you, because it's your time to shine. It's your time to come out. It's your time to be different. It's all part of the adventure. I love that. That's my coverall statement that Ange, I should write on me will, yourwillbedone.co.uk, don't get there, £19.99. This should be written down. 
It's all part of the adventure because things are changing. But let me tell you something that maybe you've never thought of before and maybe you have. I'm not trying to teach my grand to suck eggs. But in Isaiah, it turns around and he makes this statement, Woe to me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. So the angel had to come from the presence of God with a fiery coal in his hand. He touches John's lips so that he can speak and he can now represent God. The fire had to touch him to consume the dross, to burn up what, was, what was, shouldn't have been there in the first place. But do you ever look at the content? Context, got content and context wrong again. You ever look at the context? He is God's prophet and has not even realized that what surrounded him had contaminated him and desensitized him to the presence and work of God. There has to be something that is birthed in the heart of the church that says, Woe to me, for I am unclean. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. But there has to be something different. So now I go to 1 John 1 verse 9. For I don't need the coal from the altar, but I have one that if I do sin, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. All I do is I come back to him. I claim the word, his living word on my life, in my life, and I say, my God. When I come back to you, I say, Father, align me again. Bring me back again. Touch me with a fire again. Lord God, cause your world to just enlighten to me, Lord God. Father, that I can see, forgive me when I've become so insensitized to the things around me. Touch me, Lord God, almost with that coal from the altar. Make everything live to me again. Let that fire burn within the side of me. And do you know when it happens? Instantly. Oh no, I want to be religious for a bit. I think, no, I deserve to sit on the spiritual naughty corner. I'll sit on the naughty step because God's going to beat me and he's going to keep me over there and he won't allow me to play the game. He's going to turn around and say, no, Andrea, you are not having a biscuit before bed. Get to bed. I'll see you in the morning. He is faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness instantaneously. Why? Because we've already covered it before. His blood still speaks. It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. One shouts uh, revenge, the other one shouts forgiveness. Here's mercy and he moves towards me. When I move towards him, he cannot help but move towards me. So fire on. Flame on, fire on, big on, whatever you want. Turn the gas fire on. We said before about the man digging a tunnel with a spoon. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, think on these things. Work with what is in your hand at the time. It might be the little by little, but you sow and work with that which you have been given. Oh, I'm waiting for three prophecies. I'm waiting for the prophets of the nations to come to speak over me, to call me out and say, oh, the Lord's just given me a picture of a man wearing a red vest. You're waiting for everything, but every day we say, when am I going to receive a prophecy? Every time you open your scripture, God's prophesying to you. 
I said, every time you open your word and the word is spoken, God is prophesying. He's speaking the now word to you. So let me tell you something about the nature and character of God. Guys, I did you a big favor this morning about telling you about the uh, fairer sex, that they have more than one sense. Yes? And ignore that one at your own peril. Here's one to ignore, or not to ignore, should I say. God is not moved by your snot and by your tears. God is not moved by your tears. God is not callous because the psalm tells us, I could tell you which one, but I'll let you do your own homework. It says that he remembers or records my sorrow and he keeps my tears in a bottle. But he's still not moved by them. He remembers my sorrow. He is moved by his word. God is moved and acts on his word, not on your snot, not on your circumstances. When you've had a blubber and it's all coming. Now, I know you guys, you're all cool. You've never had that moment when it's all gone. Is there, is there anybody in here who's going to be you know, honest with us this morning and you've had that holy bubble? <laughs> Where you've cried and you've got the bubble, you can't, it's here. You don't care, it's just how you feel at that moment. Is there any money apart from Paul that we just need? Right, okay, there's a few. If there's a few that's around. God is not moved by that. Even my repentance, I must show the fruit of my repentance, not that I was just sorry for what I did. So I'm moved by action. I am moved by his word. So when he gives me his word, you are a fool if you don't use it. The wise man built his house upon the rock, the foolish man on the sand. And the wise man, he's the one who hears my word and acts on it. Or go and buy one of the eight million copies that says no salvation, no repentance, no restoration, no eternal life. No future because it's all just down to you, Chris. Aren't you glad that your life is just reliant on you? God, he's tried it. His fire is a consuming fire. When Isaiah was touched with the fire that came from the altar... He made a declaration at the end of it. He's now been touched and he's been made whole. Instantaneously. He doesn't turn around and say, come back in five chapters and see what God did with him. Instantaneously, he's touched by it. And I heard a voice say, who will go for us? And his response was, here am I, send me. And then the Holy Ghost said, okay, John, what I need to do is put you in a course for six months. He's to make sure you're all cleaned up. He's to make sure you're not going to go back the old way. He's to make sure you're not going to let me down because my name has got everything before you. Instantaneously, here am I, send me. Flame on. This morning when the word is coming, this morning when something's being stirred, this morning when Andy br brings that prophetic word about being ready for when the oil is poured out and the spark can ignite you, are you saying, here am I, send me, or am I looking at the person to the left and right and going, I can't wait to see what you do with David. 
I'm really excited about what Hilda's going to do this week and the testimony that she will carry. So let me read you a scripture. I read this scripture a few weeks ago and it arrested me. So I hope in it arresting me, it arrests you. And if it doesn't, I'll keep saying it until it arrests you. How's that? Psalm 69, verse 5 to 6. Don't turn to it. Just listen to the verse that goes down. You, God, know my folly. Amen and amen. I said amen and amen. On my best day, God, you still know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. The Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you be not disgraced because of me. May those who hope in you be not disgraced because they look at me as being the standard. Oh. May those who hope in you be not disgraced because of me. May those who seek you not be not be put to shame because of me. God, you know my folly. Let's use the fill word. I'm sure it's in the dictionary somewhere. It's got to be in there. God, you know I'm a div. You know I'm a prat. You know I mess things up. You know that there's more times I misrepresent you than represent you. You know my folly, but you still are found in me. You still want me to flame on. You still want me to represent you in a way that Lord seems so huge and vast that I cannot contain it. Lord, may they not be disgraced because of me. Just let that rest in your heart just for a minute. My God, may they not be disgraced because of me. That Lord, for some of them people I'll meet, the only time they will meet a Christian is this one. The one in a bad temper, the one who pushes in, the one who can't drive properly, the one who's arrogant in a restaurant, the one who turns around and went, I asked for medium rare and I think you'll find that's not quite the way I want it. Take it back. I'll take it back, all right. <laughs> medium rare. I told you, and Pastor Tony have told you in the past, that the guys here as witnesses and these other ones around, that when we had paid a decent amount of money to be in a nice hotel. It was a nice hotel. We'd been in Tenko for a week. I'm telling you, it was a nice hotel in KL. It was a nice chain. The foyer was good. Everything was all wonderful. And we stroll in going, come on, girls, let me show you luxury. Let me show you where we've got 24 hours in the King's Palace. And they go, uh, your room's not ready, David. Can you wait a minute? And the minute turned to two hours. And the two hours turned into three hours. So we stroll back to the counter. And the manager comes out. 
And they said, look, this is what's happened. There's been an oversight. We always overbook rooms thinking that people won't turn up. But guess what? Everybody has turned up. And so we're having to do a little bit of a juggle. We're having to do a little bit of stuff that's working around. And then the manager makes this comment. I would not treat me the way that you are treating me. Because this is completely out of order. And we're going, it is what it is. So do you know what? We'll have no wash. We'll stink a bit. We've been traveling for five hours. We'll go and have a walk around town. We'll come back. And nine hours later, and everybody's all now's got their rooms, and it's all wonderful. Apart from yours truly, I'm Pastor Tony. We're sharing bunk beds, are doing something. There's something that's going on. And it was like, you want to go, you've had nine hours. I'm tired. I'm sweaty. I've traveled. I'm in Malaysia. I've been on the no air conditioned bus for four hours. I'm like some of the guys you might find around the youth who need to stand a little bit closer to the soap. You know what we're talking about. This is getting on. It's all clammy. And they still have no room. Ten hours later, we then get a room. We walk into our wonderful room, and it's a double bed. You're all right, Tony, but the answer is no. I'm going back to reception. And then they still have to resolve that issue. In there, did I have the right to give them a piece of my mind? In there, do I have the right to turn around and say, you're bang out of order? Do you realize I am going to mark you? I'm getting straight on TripAdvisor and telling you what you should not ever do is go to that Hilton High Star five-class hotel and tell them it's a load of rubbish because you didn't do this or didn't do that. And all I've got in my mind is saying, I've just come from a conference. I've just come from the presence of God. What I am not going to allow to do, having no room being the issue to derail me. I'm going to step into something different. And even though the guy turns around and says, I would not treat me the way you're treating me, that's fine. But I did use the power of, can you, would you like to respond? How was your stay? I'll just respond. And in that nice respond, next time we went back, I can assure you we got treated very well. Did we not, girls? Yes. Yeah, you benefited from, from my night of sharing with your husband. But the point is there are so many circumstances and situations that you feel fully justified of giving your opinion, giving your thoughts, giving your reason why everything's bang out of order, and you might be the only reflection of Jesus Christ that someone's going to see. May they not be put to shame because of me. A couple of minutes, then we'll finish. I'm sure that many of us have experienced this. Hurry up, get the Uber out, we've got some guests coming. Oh, take it no. You think there's a guest coming, someone's coming around, it might be mum, it might be a neighbour. Pastor's coming, quick! Get rid of the telly, get rid of the t- Let him think we're spiritual, get rid of the telly. So you've got all the stuff done because you want your house to look the part for when your guests come. It, maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's somebody staying over, maybe it's somebody from overseas, maybe it's somebody who's visiting from wherever. But you think, I want my house all sorted. Do you not? Yeah. 
So why can't you do that when the Holy Ghost comes? Oh, we want to stick him in the back bedroom. Stick him in the box room with your Christmas tree and the stuff you're still waiting to take to the tip that you've sorted out. We kind of shove the Holy Ghost in places that we kind of think it doesn't matter when he's looking to take over. The thing about that Holy Ghost fire falling in the book of Acts was that it fell on... Sorry? Well, we've got three of us. It fell on all. So there was no exceptions. So the Holy Ghost turned around and said, when we're together in one place, in one accord, I am going to come and meet every single individual. I am not going to go, Chris, John... I'll maybe come back and give her a second go. He's ready to pour out his fire on every life. Every life needs to have a responsibility. Every life needs to be responsive to him. And he comes to burn up my dross. Oh, do you know what you've heard pastors say in the past? It's just as much to sing a lie as it is to say one. Oh, Lord God, let your fire burn in me. Father, let me be like the silver. Let me be like the gold. Purge me, Lord God. Refine me. He heard you. <laughs> he heard you. I said he heard you. So he's like that. Let me just crank this up. For when you're sad and you're old like us over here. I'm saying Ange because she's much older than me. I'm still a toy boy yet. And you turn to channel 529 when you're having your tea. And forged in fire is on. All right, carry on. Is there no fellas in here watch Forged in Fire? Uh, Chrissy's trying to play them. I might have watched it. Forged in Fire, and it's all about the temperature that metal must be brought to so that it can be worked with. If it doesn't work, it starts to separate. It has no hardened edge. It looks brilliant until you start to use it. And then it chips or it becomes cracked. So all them times when God has turned around and said, or you've cried out in your song or in your prayer, Lord, like the refiner's fire. He's going, let <laughs> me just warm it up a bit. Just hang on, Irene, I'm just warming it a bit more. Because the temperature we need to get to is the temperature will take the dross off. It's not like one of those rubbish ideas you've seen on telly where somebody goes, I have just invented a knife that gets warm on one edge so you can take butter out of the fridge. God is not looking to warm you that much. He's looking to say, I am taking you back to your natural element so we can wipe off that dross so that when people look at you, the reflection they see is me. Fire on! Flame on, all right. And she's, she's got the box set of flash and... Arrow, it's all going on here. Right, flame on, fire on. What is it? Flame, 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 flame on. Flame on, stick with me, guys. Flame on. But that fire is burning. So when we're saying, my God, do something on the inside of me, it's for every believer. Let me finish with this statement, and then I promise you, unlike Pastor Tony, I will not read formal scriptures. We'll say this, and then we're out, okay? When the fire fell in the upper room, and they went outside. I was up at silly o'clock the other day, not giving you any reasons why, but it was Ange. 
I was up at silly o'clock and I'm reading Acts. And when you read the first five chapters of Acts, you will see something. They were in the upper room, were they not? And we say they went from the upper room to the marketplace. Yes? Read your word. The upper room, the marketplace, from the marketplace to the temple, from the temple to house to house, from house to house to every home, from every home till it filled Jerusalem. And read a few chapters on, and you have this wonderful, wonderful statement. And those who turned the world upside down have come here also. Upper room, marketplace, temple, house to house, every house fills the city. Those who turned the world upside down. Who's he looking for? All he's looking for is, will you be combustible? We have declared prophetically that the Holy Ghost is coming and there will be a fire that falls on the Dream Center. There is a fire that will fall on the Dream Center. There was another promise that came. It was to a man called Noah. And the word that came to Noah was, there's a flood coming, build a boat. There's a flood coming, build a boat. And for over a hundred years, he builds the boat. But when the flood came, how many were found in the ark? You're all going back to Sunday school now, aren't you? (laughs) And only eight were saved. Eight were found in the ark. So to a generation, they declared there is a flood coming, but there was eight responded. When God makes a declaration to the Dream Center, there is a fire coming, it's your responsibility to be found where he said he's going to fall. If the fire falls and you're not there, you're not there. Did I say you're going to hell? Well, you're going to find some fire. Did I say you're not saved? Did he say that God didn't love you? Did I say you'll still not have your blessings of God? He's looking to pour out in a way that he's not poured out in generations. But are you combustible and will you be found in the place you should be found when he calls? Let's stand to our feet. Just before I pray, let me just make this statement to you. Before, when all the worship was going on, Catherine came over and she gave us a word and we said it might have changed direction for where we're going, but the word that she said was that the way that Jesus Christ was crucified upon the cross and the enemy stripped him bare, the Lord brings that restitution back, that there's the element of what's stripped away from us, God is going to use for his glory, that fits right where we are now. So, right, it might look like we're stripped bare, but there's a reason. He's looking to build on us, that the refiner's fire touches, that we reflect him, and that we replicate and... It's the word that Pastor Tony would use, that we are the ones who will demonstrate him more and more in our communities, yes? We reflect what he is to us. So come on, church, let's just raise our holy hands just for a minute, one more minute and we're done. 
We say, my God, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for what you're saying into our hearts. But my God, I pray right now in Jesus' name for every life that is represented under the banner of the Dream Center. Those lives who are here and are not here today, we pray, my God, that, Father, you will align, that you will correct, that you will bring us into, into order of where you are. My God, far be it from us, Lord God, that, Father, there will be those, Lord God, who are disgraced because of us. But, Father, I pray for every seed again, that every seed will return a handful, Lord God. Father, as we speak your word, that, Lord God, Father, we say, flame on. Flame in, Lord God, Father, that which is inside of us may be a combustible, burnable fire, that we represent you, that we give you glory, that we give you praise. That, Father God, we thank you for the revelation that we are no longer just walking with you, but, Lord God, you live in us. And, Lord God, that life flows out of us. Lord God, forgive us when we do it in our own strength. Forgive us, Lord God, when we stand on our own opinion. But Lord God, I pray right now, the rising of a one-man company, may we be of one heart, one prayer, one word, one desire. And Lord God, remind us again that when we wake, that our declaration will be, Amen and Amen. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Amen.